Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Friends, hello. Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our daily time of prayer and scripture reflection. Good to have you with us. And let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord and see how his word will speak to us today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Father, we come into your presence rejoicing in the salvation that we find in your Son, Jesus Christ, the only Lord, the only Savior, the only mediator between God and humanity, the only Redeemer, the only one to whom we owe complete obedience and to whom, in whom we have the hope of complete happiness. He alone. We thank you, Lord God, for your gifts. We thank you for your forgiveness, for our sins of which we repent. And we thank you for the mission to spread your kingdom, to build a culture of life, to save our nation. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. I want to read to you this passage today from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, I say to you, it will be hard for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For men this is impossible, but for God all things are possible. Then Peter said to him in reply, We have given up everything and followed you. What will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, that you who have followed me, in the new age when the Son of Man is seated on his throne of glory, will yourselves sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters, or father or mother or children or lands, for the sake of my name, will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. <clears throat> Friends, Jesus Christ turns the thinking of this world upside down. We see here in what he said on this occasion a reflection of the Beatitudes, right? The value system of this world is completely upside down from that of the gospel. In the world of the gospel, in the world of the kingdom of God, it is the poor who are blessed, the persecuted who should jump and leap for joy, those who are mourning who should enjoy God's consolation. Those, on the other hand, as Jesus said here, who are rich, should be worried. He doesn't say the rich are automatically condemned. He says it's going to be harder. Where? Why? Because of what Jesus said elsewhere, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where, whatever you have a lot of, be careful because it's going to it's going to draw your heart to itself if you have a lot of it. So if you have a lot of wealth, 
Well, as Jesus said in another parable, to whom will all this piled up wealth of yours go? Tonight your life will be required of you, as he says in that story. We are to use the things of this world to get to God. So having a lot of things is not in and of itself evil. It does present an occasion of sin, but our attachment always has to be focused on the Lord. And when we do that, when everything is only totally in the service of our relationship with Him, then we are on the path of holiness. And then the reward that we are on the path to receive is nothing less than we will reign with Him. N notice what he says here. Only the Son of God sits by right, by His very nature, sits at the right hand of the Father. He is the Lamb who was slain. As the book of Revelation says, Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and kingdom, kingship, dominion. For you were slain. With your blood you purchased for God, men of every race and tribe and kingdom and nation. Only the Lamb is worthy. But the Lamb died for us. And what he says here is, when the Son of Man is seated on his throne in glory, you yourselves will sit on thrones. Now, this reminds us of Revelation 3.21. Jesus said, to the victor, that is the victor over sin, death, hell, in other words, to the one who embraces the salvation we have in Christ, washes his robes in the blood of the Lamb, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. So it's not just to the twelve. It's to all who are saved in him. He says, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Now at that time, the thrones were like benches, and so the king could have somebody come up and sit next to him. We will not just gather around the throne, fall down before the throne, see the throne, we will sit with him on his throne. A couple of other scriptures refer to this. Paul writes to the Ephesians that, um, let me see where now, yes, for uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. So, His grace dwelling within us, we are alive in Christ. And He goes on, By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But wait a minute. We haven't even died yet. How is it that we've raised up and seated with Him? Because in Christ, these things that will come to be have already begun taking place. He's dwelling within us. He's already secured for us a place in the heavens. And we're already living now the eternal life that we will have fully later on. It's the already but not yet. You read in John chapter 6, for example, when he's promising us the bread of life. He who eats this bread and drinks this, this cup eat my flesh and drink my blood, has 
present tense, eternal life. And then he talks about the future, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus spoke in the Gospel of John about those who hear the word of God, who are dead, and come to life. He says the hour is coming and is here now when those who hear his word will come to life. If we don't believe, we're dead. If we are still in our sins, we are dead. But if we hear the word of God now in this life and allow it to transform us and bring us to repentance and bring us his grace, we live that eternal life now. And then he goes on to say, and the hour will come when those in the tombs will hear his voice and rise up. That's the resurrection on the last day. This is everywhere in Scripture. This already and not yet, this sharing now in the life that will later fully blossom. Second letter of Paul to Timothy. In chapter 2, we read this, starting in verse 11. This saying is trustworthy. If we have died with him, we shall live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Okay, now there are other scriptures conveying this same lesson. Here's what I, what I want to point out. We will reign with him. We will sit on his throne. We are, in fact, already seated in the heavenly places. This is what God thinks of human life. He who humbles himself will be exalted. He who, by the obedience of faith, says, Lord, you have spoken the truth, like Peter, again in John 6, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So we humble ourselves. We don't understand it. Our acceptance of the faith is not based on our understanding. Reason does have its role. We have to have what we call the motives of credibility. We have to have a reason to believe Him. But we do have reason to believe Him. And when we believe Him, we accept things that our reason doesn't reach. So we, it's a submission to him, the obedience of faith. Lord, I believe it because I have reason to say that you know what you're talking about. And therefore I obey in the faith. He who humbles himself in this way and also pouring himself out, like Philippians 2 says, he emptied himself taking the form of a slave, we empty ourselves in service to one another. This is my body given for you. In all of this humbling of ourselves, we will be exalted. We will actually share in his kingship. You are priest, prophet, and king by your baptism. You have been conformed to Christ the priest. You offer spiritual sacrifices, as St. Paul tells us, day by day. Offer your, your bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. All our prayers and our actions and our sufferings, we offer them daily to the Lord. Priest, prophet, you speak the word of the Lord. It's not about telling the future simply. It's about telling the present. What does God think about what's going on right now? And you are a king. You're conquering. With armies, you're conquering enemies. Every time you say no to temptation, every time you let love and forgiveness reign over hatred and vengeance. Now, today in the Catholic Church is celebrated the feast of the Queenship of Mary, and it, we must not think of this as if it's some kind of pagan idea. The, you know, pagan idea means you separate Christ from the equation. You have some kind of deity that you believe in other than Christ. Well, that's pagan. And that's wrong, and that's heretical. That's not Christian. 
But in, the, in Catholicism, it's all based on Christ, as it is throughout Christianity. Anything that we do to honor the mother of God, whom Scripture honors, is because of Christ. So this idea that she is queen, of course, it comes a week after the Feast of the Assumption, which again is about the victory of Christ over death, shared with Mary, not Mary in and of herself having something apart from Christ. That's the last thing she would want us to think of her. But rather that she is the first in the body because Paul writes to the Corinthians that this resurrection of Christ signifies he is the first fruits, but then all will rise each in his own order. And so what that teaching is, is simply the application to his mother of the victory that he himself wins. And now the queenship, similar idea. It's not separate from the kingship of Christ. Only Christ is king of the universe. But as these passages of scripture that we just looked at show us, he shares his kingship with us. To the victor I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. If we endure to the end, we shall reign with him. You will sit on 12 thrones. He's telling us, he has seated us in high heavenly places. What the church believes about Mary is not to be seen as separate from these scriptures talking about our share in the promises of Christ. In any case, brothers and sisters, this is what God thinks of human life. You know, we are pro-life not only because we believe that killing the innocent is always wrong, and a baby is always innocent, therefore it's a moral absolute. It's never okay to kill a baby. But it's even more than that. It's based on this proclamation that human life has been created by God to sit with Him on His throne. The church cannot credibly preach this if, if she were to turn her eyes the other way when that same human life that is destined to sit on the throne with Christ over here is being thrown in the garbage by abortion. You can't, you're not credible anymore to the world. If you don't take that human life, honor it, serve it, and defend it. The same human nature that we, born and unborn, share is destined for the very throne. Let's rejoice in that. Let's let these scriptures and this feast day really inform and impel our pro-life commitment as never before. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Father, what a hope you extend to humanity as we look at the sad chapters of human history that afflict us with slavery, tyranny, genocide, torture, abortion, other forms of of disregarding human dignity like suppression of peoples and failure to raise people out of poverty or imposing conditions on them that cause poverty. Lord God, any degradation of the human person. We stand up today and we proclaim that in Christ Jesus, we see that humanity raised to the throne. And we know that we share in that victory, in that glory. 
all and only in Christ Jesus, but all of us together, all of us in the body of Christ. His mother, and as he said, all of us are mother and brother and sister to him if we hear the word of God and keep it. We will all share in the glory of sitting on his throne. So we praise you, Lord, today. We lift up to you, therefore, being that you have such love for humanity, all the needs of humanity today, all the poor and the suffering throughout the world, all the sick, all the aborted children, all those who are in danger because of open borders at the southern border of our nation, people who are being subject to terrible oppression by cartels and mistreatment and dangers, the dangers of crossing an un unsecure border. Lord God, people are not being served by this. We ask you to intervene and help and save people and enable us to put into place better policies that will protect their dignity. Lord God, we pray for those who are suffering because they are persecuted for their faith. We pray for our upcoming elections, that people will have wisdom, even from now, to understand the right questions to ask of candidates. Lord, we ask you for help to save our nation and to preserve our freedoms. We ask you to bless President Donald Trump and his team. Bless all those who are sincerely working for the good of America. And bring repentance upon the heads of those who hate America and are doing a disservice to this nation by their policies and actions and omissions. We ask you, Lord, for all these blessings and all the prayer intentions of all our viewers. Pour forth your spirit and answer our needs. And we now pray in the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We pray to our Heavenly Mother, Queen of the universe, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay, friends, thanks for joining me. Spread the word about our programs. Support our ministry, if you would, at ProLifeGift.org. Let's continue saving lives. Let's bring an end to the tragedy of abortion and show how much God loves human life. Let us do it together, and let us do it with confidence. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Hello. I'm Evangelist Alveda King with Priest for Life. The voices of women who have had abortions, those who have found forgiveness and healing, and are willing to share their stories are very important in the pro-life movement. I am one of those women. And that's why I'm a member of the Silent No More Awareness Campaign. Started by Janet Marana of Priest for Life and Georgette Forney of Anglicans for Life, this movement is helping people around the world to share their stories of pain, of hope, and of healing. 
The Silent No More campaign gives us a chance to inform others that abortion is not a solution to their problems and to invite those who have already made that mistake to seek repentance and healing. I, along with all the members of Silent No More, ask you to share our stories as well. Go to silentnomore.com to see our testimonies and to join the movement. Again, that's silentnomore.com. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.